I knew that boundaries were biblical. I didn't realize that they are woven into almost every book of the Bible. And so we see it from the beginning in Genesis all the way through Revelation that God has placed both his love and his limits throughout creation. Sometimes in our relationships, we think that people should know better. We think that they should know that they're hurting us, but people cross lines that are unclear. People were taking from me, but I was giving freely and then blaming them for taking from me. Usually a boundary, I don't wanna say can fix, but can hopefully walk us in a direction of unity. You know, one of the most beautiful things that God has ever given us are relationships. But you know, sometimes it's very challenging to navigate them well. Yeah, and one of the topics that comes up the most when we're discussing navigating relationships well is the topic of boundaries. Today we get to discuss that with author Courtney Berg. She's a mommy of four, been married for 10 years, and she wrote the book, Loyal to a Fault. In this conversation, we talk about boundaries on a spectrum. So some people have porous boundaries and other people have rigid boundaries. And there is a balance that we can find in the middle. And Courtney helps us discover that balance. And my favorite part about this interview is that she discusses this all from a biblical worldview. So we're not just talking about, you know, 21st century um, millennials setting boundaries with their in-laws. You know, she actually discusses how does this look from a Christian perspective to honor God in our boundary setting. Um, And so really insightful interview. And we're looking forward to you tuning in. Let's jump into the interview. Welcome, Courtney, to the podcast. Thanks so much for being with us today. Welcome. Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So you uh, talk about um, loyalty to a fault. And one of your focus areas is boundaries, what that looks like from a Christian worldview, from a biblical worldview. And uh, we're looking forward to diving into that conversation today. Yeah, well, we're excited to talk about it just because I think it's a frequent conversation topic in in sessions when we're working with people Mm -hmm. it's like okay we need to work on boundaries yeah so i think a good place to start is you know what are boundaries i know that most people think they know what they mean but what are boundaries to you i love that you asked that because i think that it's getting tossed around a ton on social media and just in the media in general. And it's like, sometimes we can think, well, what is that? Is that just somebody being rude to me? Or is that just somebody not wanting to deal with me? Um, Especially older generations, I find that they're feeling discouraged because we are now a generation of like self-care and boundaries and all of that. And so I really like the way Dr. Cloud puts it. He's actually, he wrote the book Boundaries and I, I found that book 10 years ago and it change the way I function in my relationships. Mm. But he he says it's where I end and you begin. So you can put that any which way. You can put that emotionally, spiritually, financially, physically. And we have to have boundaries in our relationships in order to function at our best capacity, whatever that may look like. Mm. That's really good. Where I end and you begin. I love that definition from Dr. Cloud. That's fantastic. Yeah, he's my favorite. Yes. Okay. So let's, let's talk about this from a biblical worldview. Cause I don't think this is talked about as much that boundaries are a biblical concept. Uh, where's scripture for that? Talk to us about how you get that concept. 
I mean, I actually did, you know, the Bible in a year challenge and my friend who I love, Amy, she actually challenged me to look through. She's all about helping women preach and share the gospel. And so one of her challenges for me last year was as you're reading scripture, look at it from a biblical point of view, meaning look for the boundaries in your message. And so I knew that boundaries were biblical. I didn't realize that they are woven into almost every book of the Bible. And so we see it from the beginning in Genesis all the way through Revelation that God has placed both his love and his limits throughout creation. And Mm -hmm. I mean, from the land and the sea, from dividing day and night, from saying, hey, you know, Israelites, you know, we're going to go here and not here and we're going to stop here and, you know, even into the New Testament. And so um, I think that in order for us to, especially as Christians, as believers, to harness the power and the provisions that boundaries have for us, we have to uh, respect them from that biblical point. Because if we don't, then we start to hear the world's narrative, which is mm-hmm. they're selfish, they're unkind, they're unchristian. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's it's the furthest thing from the truth. So they very much are part of his gift to us and for us. And um, mm-hmm. And when we work within the constraints that he's designed for us, uh, individually, in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, um, we're we're better able to, you know, behave in ways that are God honoring. And really, that's why we are in relationship is to reflect all that he is. Yeah. Mm, so good. Mm-hmm. So what did what did Courtney's life look like before boundaries? <laughs> and what did it look like oh. after boundaries? So in my book, I actually share quite a bit on that. And I, and I talk about how when we don't have boundaries, our relationships don't reflect him. They reflect more of hell than heaven. And that mm. was me to a T. Um, I was anxious. I was behaving from a point of fear. So I feared what people thought. I feared that they wouldn't love me, that they wouldn't like me. I, I feared the uh, abandonment. I feared their criticism. Um, I was the chronic people pleaser. So I would smile. I would yes. Um, and then at night I found myself having panic attacks. I was it, you know, I wasn't digesting food well. Mm. I was having shingles, outbreaks, migraines. My body was completely speaking to me. Mm-hmm. And um, part of my story is addiction as well. And so I started turning to things mm-hmm. that gave me that temporary relief. And we know that it is just that temporary. Right. And mm-hmm. so that was part of my story is realizing that, you know, you know, clinging to this favor of man, so to speak, mm. um, was an empty pursuit. It, it would last for a little while. I would feel good about myself for a little while. And then um, and then I would not. And then I would find myself scrambling again. And it wasn't until I really started utilizing boundaries in my life that I finally feel that sense of security and peace and confidence that he promises. Mm. Wow. So it's really good. So what you're saying is, okay, if, if we go back to the definition, it's where you end and I begin. So this this Courtney person before boundaries was there was a lot of, of people that were crossing over the threshold of where you began and it was starting to confuse the house. (laughs) Yes. And I think, you know, I think that what's important to also point out is that they didn't know they were crossing a line because I hadn't communicated any. So Sometimes in our relationships, we think that people should know better, 
we think that they should know that they're hurting us, mm. but people cross lines that are unclear. So we mm. have to do the hard work, the vulnerable work of turning towards that tension and saying, Hey, this is what I need. Mm-hmm. We have to get honest with ourselves, have an honest conversation with God and ourselves about what is happening and then turn towards the person and because our relationships deserve better. So people were taking from me, but I was giving mm-hmm. <laughs> freely right. and yeah. then blaming them for taking from me. And then this cycle, this pattern continued, the dysfunction mm-hmm. continued. Um, when you think about selflessness as a Christian and then boundaries as a Christian, how do they, how do they fit together? That's a, that's a hard one. Cause a lot of people yeah. have a difficult time. They think that, Oh, you know, Jesus is giving, so I have to give everything. And of course, yes, you do need to give everything. However. <laughs> yeah. So speak to that a little bit. Like how do those two come together as a Christian? Okay, so I've thought a lot about this because it is a conflicting like message, but I think it's taken out of context quite a bit. A lot of times scripture is, okay? Mm-hmm. And so if we look at, you know, love the Lord first and then love our neighbor as ourselves. So it's almost mm-hmm. like this assumption that we're going to love ourselves. I mean, and and sometimes not in a good way, but if we're to love others, you know, and be sacrificial as Christians, we have to look at what that is it righteous sacrifice meaning are we doing it from a point of like spirit led is God asking me to lay this part of myself down and serve this person, carry this burden with this person or, and this is where I, this is part mm. of my story is I was coming from a place of fear. And so I was sacrificing parts of myself, not honoring myself as a child of God. Okay. Not honoring what he's asked for me to do. And I was sacrificing my, myself from a point of fear Mm. and love is never a byproduct of fear. So if I'm meant to love others, then I have to go to God first and say, what does this look like in this relationship? Mm -hmm. You know, God has never once asked us biblically to become a doormat or to be abused in our relationships or to be mistreated. And so I think that we have to really get clear on um, the fact that codependency and people pleasing is very Mm self-serving, very self-serving. That doesn't make sense to people. Help, help people with that idea. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, it's a way for us to control the narrative. It's a way for us to control um, what you think of me. Mm. And, and here's, and here's the deal. If we trust God, we don't have to control other people. Mm-hmm. We don't, we, mm. we trust him who controls all things. And so there we see the pride again, I'm going to insert myself in this relationship. I'm going to control what they think of me by giving quote unquote sacrificially. But yet we see the fruit of that anxiety, mm-hmm. depression, uh, confusion, disconnection, anybody that is people pleasing or codependent, if you show me a relationship without boundaries, I almost never see uh, freedom, peace, joy, self-control. I don't see that. And so we can't go at relationships with this pattern of behavior and say, oh, well, I'm being a selfless, sacrificial Christian. No, you're not. You're being a selfish Christian. And that's not what the Lord, I mean, I'm just saying, yeah, I'm, And it's very self-serving because it keeps people close because you're afraid that you will lose them. But it really is, it comes down to the trust issue. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And that's hard. It's hard to take that personal responsibility. Wow. Mm -hmm. It really goes back down to the fruits. I love that. I mean, is, is your sacrificial, you know, air quotes, sacrificial service, um, marked by anxiety and stress and depression or whatever things are happening there? Right. Or is it marked by love, joy, peace? Actually, I was doing a, um, a Bible study just the other day. I was reading in my Bible and um, the verse, I forgot where it is. I think it's Colossians. Uh, but it talks about letting peace reign in your hearts. Mm -hmm. And the word there for reign is umpire. So it's kind of going back to the games. So making sure that peace is the thing that's determining the, the boundaries of the game you're playing. I was like, oh, that's good. I love that. Mm -hmm. I love that. And, yeah. and we have to choose peace. We see that we always have a choice. Each morning we can choose corruption, chaos, dysfunction, mm -hmm. or we can choose to pursue peace. Now, as believers, we're promised that, but it takes our willingness as well. Mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't just kind of fall down on us from heaven. Yeah. It takes it takes these patterns of behavior and that personal ownership, which isn't easy for some of us coming from different families of origin where we've been taught to believe that love means, you know, obedience to uh, a, an addicted father or love means, you know, doing X, Y, and Z for your brother who can, can and should be doing that himself, you know? And so challenging those old patterns of belief and saying, no, that's actually not what a boundary is. That's actually not my role in this relationship. Mm -hmm. Some people are afraid that if they set boundaries, that they will ruin the relationship, you know, as opposed to that. I mean, boundaries are meant to protect and keep and, per, you know, preserve the relationship. Can you speak to the person who's fearful to set those boundaries? Absolutely. That's one of the top concerns that I hear from the women I work with is like, well, if I set this with my mother-in-law, she may not want to watch the kids anymore. Or mm -hmm. if I tell my friend that, you know, I have to do this or I can't do that, that she may not want to hang out with me. And here's, here's the thing is that, you know, you, you very well may lose that relationship, but you will lose yourself if you don't. Yeah. And that I, we are worth being in healthy relationships. Mm -hmm. And the cost is just far too high to not set that limit. Mm -hmm. And healthy relationships are built upon healthy parameters. Mm -hmm. And so if a, if a boundary is why a relationship doesn't work, I promise you it wasn't the boundary. It was probably the other things that was happening inside the relationship. You're now mm -hmm. saying they can't have a certain thing and, um, and I, again, it goes back to trust. We have to trust that if we do the hard thing, even when people don't like it, that somewhere down the road, goodness will come from this, mm -hmm. but we have to quit settling for the crumbs in a relationship. We have to, if we want good relationships, we have to start doing things that are good in these relationships. And again, it starts with the person that we see in the mirror every morning you know, I'm not going to tolerate this anymore because I want uh, the beauty that God promises me in my relationships. And so I'm not going to settle. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's so good because relationships are the most beautiful thing that God's designed. Mm -hmm. They really are. 
And when you do settle, man, life can be so bleak. I mean, I've worked with countless people of like, you please set these boundaries. And and the boundaries get, get pushed and pushed and pushed. It's like you realize that this is, like you said, you lose yourself in it. Mm-hmm. And there is no relationship in, in when you have lost yourself. You have to have self in a relationship yeah. or there is no relationship. That's good. Yeah. So good. Mm-hmm. I think a lot of people think about boundaries in the context of parenting or boundaries with their employer or their in-laws. Um, but what about boundaries in a marriage? I mean, we are two individuals, but we are also one. What, what does that look like practically to set boundaries in a marriage? I'm sure you guys know a lot more on this than I do. I have been married 10 years, so I have learned a thing or two. And yes. we've had two businesses and two homes and <laughs> four children. And so we've, we've learned a thing or two, yeah. not the seamless way or the linear way, definitely the messy way, mm-hmm. but I'll share with you an example. And this is a very practical thing. You know, when I, you know, we had our first child and things were a certain way. And then we had the second child and things were a certain way. And then mm-hmm. our twins came home three years ago and things were a certain way. <laughs> it just got like, <laughs> You know, your needs change. And that's important to point out is that boundaries are fluid in nature. So one season you might need a certain thing and be able to express that kindly. And then the next season you realize, Mm -hmm. you know what, that's shifted a bit. And so we Mm -hmm. have to be willing uh, and curious about that. But there was a time where, you know, I was getting my two older kids ready for school and one morning and, um, and I glanced over and here I am, I've got a baby in a carrier and the twin, the other twin was in like a rocker and they were crying. And it was just one of those mornings where you're just like, how did we do this? Why did we do this? (laughs) And I glanced over and my husband who, who has a, a different way of dealing because men usually do was just enjoying breakfast. And I thought, he's just sitting there enjoying breakfast and I'm dealing with all this. Mm -hmm. So there's always an option in those moments. We can either, you know, overreact, which would be like, for me, anger is definitely my, my stress go-to. So I can explode, which I've done before, or I can underreact, which is stuff it down. So the people pleaser typically stuffs it down and it's just like, I'll deal with it, even though it eventually comes back up. Mm-hmm. Or we can say, what is the need that's going unmet right now? And how can I have a hard conversation about this? Mm. So one of the practical things I've learned is to notice when that anger bubbles up and put a pin in it. That's not to say you don't deal with it. It's to say you deal with it later because we have authority over our feelings We at any moment can say, I'm getting angry and I'm not going to sit in this. So I'm not going to blow up at my my husband. I'm not going to, you know, disrespect him in front of my kids. I am going to, however, get curious about what I'm angry about. Because in the moment when you're flooded with anger like that, you really don't know. You're just angry. Like everybody's crying. Everybody's hungry. I'm the last to be fed and you're enjoying your breakfast. How (laughs) does this like, no, no. And so that is to me. An unmet need means we've got to discuss something that usually a boundary, I don't want to say can fix, but can hopefully walk us in a direction of unity. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things Dr. Cloud says is go hard on the problem, easy on the person. I love that because we can go hard on the problem, which is I'm feeling overworked, underappreciated. I need to sit down and have a hot cup of coffee. I need to be fed because I just nursed another baby, whatever it is. And guess what? My partner wants to help me in that. Yeah. He really does. 
but I can either choose to be resentful and bitter and bark at him and cause that kind of disruption in our morning and let my kids see me just kind of be passive aggressive. Or I can put a pin in that anger and say, okay, I'm coming back to this later when I'm clear headed and I'm going to get to the bottom of this so I can communicate to him. And so something like that is really uh, simple, Love it, but it's so simple. It makes it hard. And then, so what I would do then in that situation is I would say, Hey, you know, tomorrow I really need you to get up or a little bit earlier and help me pack lunches. Mm -hmm. And can you, do you mind starting me a cup of coffee? Something as simple as that pours into our relationship Mm -hmm. because I was willing to say, what is this saying about my needs? We'll be right back to the episode, but we want to share a word from our sponsor. OCD is more than what you see in the media and on social. Imagine having unwanted thoughts about your relationships stuck in your head all day, no matter how hard you try to make them go away. That's relationship OCD. It comes with unrelenting, intrusive images, thoughts, and urges about your partner or loved one. Breaking the OCD cycle takes effective treatment. Go to nocd.com to get evidence-based treatment. That's nocd.com. I love that. And and it's you focusing on the problem too, rather than the person. You're not, you know, attacking his character or slandering him. You're just making a request. And that's often what a boundary looks Mm -hmm. like. It's making a request, stating a need. I love that. Mm -hmm. Okay. So talk to the person who says, Hey, that's not the kind of boundary setting I'm talking about. I'm talking about like my safety in a marriage. Um, what, how does that look different maybe than asking for a husband to get up and help with lunches and coffee? So I think safety, there's such a scale when it comes to safety. If we're talking about like verbal abuse, physical abuse, obviously like there's never any tolerance for that. Um, and so I actually met with somebody in our church not too long ago who was being kind of like verbally abused by her husband. And here Mm -hmm. we are Christians in a church. Yep. And often a woman might feel pressured to, you know, um, submit to that Mm -hmm. because we're married and we've made this commitment. And on Sundays Mm -hmm. at church, we can put on a smile, but during the week, he's not what he looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, I would really suggest going and getting Christian professional help like you guys, um, going to somebody in your church, meeting with somebody so that you feel backed by the fact that I'm not actually meant to tolerate this. Um, Part of biblical marriage and boundaries within marriage is so that we can grow each other. And if I'm not speaking up about these areas, that are unhealthy, um, I'm actually not serving my marriage at all. And so finding people that can support you in that, um, because otherwise we feel alone. And when we're alone, we feel ashamed. Mm -hmm. And uh, we, we know what can happen with shame. I mean, the enemy can just dig his claws in. And so definitely seeking out that professional help, um, getting yourself supported, um, and then and then really walking yourself through some of those practice scripts. I'm going to say this, and then if this happens, I have a plan. Yep. Um, because we need plan and uh, and and starting from that, but just knowing that it's never never okay for your safety to be to be unsafe in a marriage. Yeah, mm. yeah, that's good. I like the script idea. Some people are like, well, that feels too robotic, but having a script gives you a sense of security. It's a plan, like you said, and it eliminates a few more, it addresses the unknowns. Well, so many times when, when something difficult is happening, people freeze mm-hmm. or have no idea what to do or just rely on their anger to kind of dull the pain yep. 
or shove it down and run from the pain. Mm -hmm. So having a plan to think through it, that takes courage to say, okay, I can't let this happen again or continue to happen. Mm -hmm. But where, uh, how would you suggest that people um, formulate the boundaries? What does that look like? Yeah, that's a great practical question. And I love it. I think it starts with that unmet need. So noticing in yourself when something is wrong, Mm -hmm. when you're feeling unsettled, when that peace is going away. And so, um, and, and mind you in certain seasons, so I'm coming out of a hard season. I'll be, I'll be honest. Um, we have four little ones and for the last year, I mean, Granted, my husband can brew me a cup of coffee and make me breakfast and it's still going to be a mess in the morning. So certain seasons, you just kind of have to, you know, like just know that you're riding this wave and that there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that there's no boundary that's going to, this is going to pass. And you just have to hang on and know that, you know, you are being sharpened in those uh, mundane mornings where you're just like, okay, God is growing me in this. But, mm-hmm. you know, going back to the idea of the script is really getting clear on, okay, what is bothering me mm-hmm. and having that honest dialogue with yourself. And so let's just say I have a lot of people dealing with mother-in-laws because the holiday is coming up. So let's just say your mother-in-law always has a comment about, you know, your weight or whatever, uh, you know, and, and so you think to yourself, that hurts me. I get angry, but it actually hurts me. I feel disrespected. I feel um, ridiculed and embarrassed. We can get honest about that with ourselves. And then we can either, you know, have our husband come in on that because that's his mom. And I'm big, I'm a big advocate of that. I'm, I I don't think that it's a cop out to have your husband speak to his mother, because I think the way he says it is received far differently than the way the the wife might, might receive it. And so that could be helpful. And I think that that's important too, because there's that unity in marriage. And so for your husband to advocate for your marriage is very powerful for a woman to feel and know. Um, But something as simple as, okay, I know when she says that I want to disconnect from her and I don't want that. I want us to have a peaceful Thanksgiving or whatever. Mm -hmm. And so you're going to say, Hey, um, you know, I don't, I don't like it when you, and you share, I, I, not when you, 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 I don't like it. It hurts my feelings, um, and I would appreciate if if we don't discuss my weight. And it's that simple. It's that assertive communication that many of us are not practiced in, but it's so important mm-hmm. because if we're not assertive, then we see passive aggressiveness. We see passiveness, like mm-hmm. I'm just going to not deal and roll my eyes and blow up at my husband later because his mom's such a jerk, which mm-hmm. we've all seen and done probably. (laughs) And, you know, and so, um, being really clear about that assertiveness that we need in our relationships. And so it's really an I statement. I, um, this is what I need. And then if, if it's necessary, you know, then we can offer an incentive, which is, I really want to spend Thanksgiving with you. Mm -hmm. Um, letting her know that you want to have this time with her. However, when, when my weight is talked about, it makes it difficult. And, um, and knowing that we can be kind when we just, you know, when Mm -hmm. we discuss boundaries with people. That's good. Yeah. I like the validation piece too. When does, when discussing a boundary, it helps affirm the other person's intentions, you know? Yeah. I don't know about the discussing weight, but let's say perhaps it's a humorous mother-in-law, someone who's more comedic, then 
acknowledging that. Like, I know you say things in, in laughter and just, um, and I know you don't want to be hurtful to me, yeah. but I'm going to let you know how it impacts me. I need, I, here's, here's my, my pain here. Um, but that validation piece can, can help soften, um, and they might receive it a little bit better. And I think the majority of the time that people that want to be in relationship with us, we owe them the benefit of the doubt. We have to communicate these limits, these things that bother us, mm -hmm. not in an attempt to control the other person, but because we want to be in relationship. It's a bid for connection. That's right. And so if we come at it with that motivation of, I actually want this relationship mm -hmm. and this is what I need to continue being in this relationship, more times than not, those people are going to go, oh my goodness, thank you so much. They might not say this ever, but you know, I want to show up for you in that way. I want mm -hmm. to love you in the ways that you need. And so mm -hmm. giving people a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Rather than trying to ignore and being hurt every single time for the next 20 years because you never spoke up or yeah. told them how it affected you. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. I, we have to fight for our relationships. You know, I mean, that's why we're in them right. is to get better, to grow together to, you know, laugh and celebrate and mourn together. And if we're not being honest inside our relationships, then it's just breeding ground for the things other than the fruits of the spirit. Yeah. Right. Right. Like, Anger. So. Yeah. 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 Anxiety, bitterness. You yeah. Know? Like mm -hmm. it's just some, a, a few difficult conversations here and there over the course of a lifetime could really benefit a relationship like our family you know like when you go yeah. to go to christmas you know it'd be so much more fun rather than anxiety provoking mm -hmm. and i loved how you said earlier too like if they want to be in relationship well if they're not goodwilled and they don't want to be then yeah your conversation may not help but i love this like how you said give them the benefit of the doubt yep assume goodwill mm -hmm. and you mm -hmm. could be surprised if they don't but then you don't have to hold your expectations highly if they, if they push you away or reject you. So yeah, talk, talk about that when they're, you know, you've tried to set boundaries and you're, you're kind of coming to a point where this person will not collaborate with you in meeting the expectations. I mean, do you just accept that there's a new normal than what you wanted and grieve the loss of what that relationship was? I think it's important to grieve no matter what. So whether the person is willing to work in the relationship and come to terms with, you know, these boundaries and maybe um, what that relationship can look like, I think we have to grieve first. And so, because if we're not grieving, that means we're hanging on to what we had hoped it would be. And so that altered expectation is really, really important. Um, there's many times that we can we cause continued suffering for ourselves because we go back to relationships and people expecting them to give us what they've time and time showed us they can't. Yeah. They can't. And they may never. Mm -hmm. You know, a mom, a dad, a sibling, a partner, whatever it is, and accepting them exactly for who they are. And that's why I love brain science, patterns of behavior. It's not to say that somebody can't change. It's not to say that we can't have hope and pray for them. It is to say that we have to accept people 
for who they are right now, not for who we expect or need them to be. And so grieving, I really feel like is a part of it. And it's not a one-time thing. Grieving is, you know, holidays will bring up certain things, Mother's Days, birthdays. You know, you might think you're done with something and then it kind of bubbles up again. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, and then the other part of that is, you know, say you set a boundary with somebody and you're really hopeful that they will honor that. And Mm. you see time and time again that they just can't. They don't want to, they can't, they say they will, and then they don't, you know, I'm big on believing behavior, not just words. And so people might promise and they might really try and then they don't. And we have to believe those patterns of behavior in people. Um, You know, we have to, again, accept that. And we have to look at what that looks like. Now we can either revert back to it being what it was, or we can create some space. And that's really difficult. It's really difficult. But I believe that, again, God uses um, things that for us look like just complete utter messes. And he turns them into something that are beautiful if we let him. And so sometimes you might have to go a season without, without that person, without that you know, connection. Um, But if we can trust that on the other side of that, when we let go of that control of like manipulating or managing the relationship or saying, okay, I'll just deal with my dad being drunk again at my kid's birthday party because I want him there. If we let go of that and we let people be in charge of their own activities and and choices, um, I believe that God will show up. I really do. And I don't know what that looks like for every specific person, but I can share in my own life. I've seen it. And I think that we have to be steadfast in, you know, that obedience Mm -hmm. to a God who is good and who wants to make good out of our relationships. If we just get out of the way Mm -hmm. and that's difficult. Sometimes that means sitting on your hands and not picking up the phone. Sometimes that means, you know, not going to that thing because you know it's just not right. going to be helpful and where you're at in your journey. Sometimes it means missing out on things. Sometimes it means not inviting people to things. But what you can do is put that energy into, um, you know, that prayer and that hope that restoration may be possible, but, but it may not happen how I want it to or how mm. quickly I want it to. But I'm trusting that God can turn something out of this. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Trusting God through it. I, I mean, who wouldn't, I mean, it, I love that you bring that into boundary conversation, but mm-hmm. that's really what it is. Like I trust God with these relationships. One more question for you. Um, I have seen where people have, um, I almost want to say, <laughs> sorry. I almost want to say toxic boundaries. Like they think they're doing the right thing and setting boundaries, but they're like, way overdoing it. And you're like, dude, you know, you're siloing yourself, Mm. (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. can you talk about that? Like when is, when is is it it too much? Yeah. Too much. Like a wall instead of a boundary. Yeah. There's, that's so good because again, I feel like we're kind of in this generation of like, well, I'm not doing that because it's, you know, (laughs) it was against my self healing or whatever. And it's (laughs) like, and I'm like, uh, okay. So I think I'm big on being spirit led. And mm-hmm. so, you know, we wake up in the morning and we decide like, we're going to follow Christ. That's what we as believers have decided that every day we have to be intentional about that pursuit. And then we have to set up, 
you know, parameters in our own life. Mm-hmm. Um, when when we're too rigid with our boundaries, we really close off that opportunity for restoration and, go- and growth. Um, and, and, and really just like those beautiful, joyful moments, because then mm-hmm. we're, we're going into that, you know, that arena of control again. Mm-hmm. So there's in my book, I have a scale and it goes from rigid to porous uh-huh. mm-hmm. and healthy is somewhere in the middle. And so for a lot of us, you know, maybe in family dynamics, we're too rigid because they've hurt us in the past and we're like, no, 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 no. Well, the no's might have been really imperative in the beginning, but as you start to build trust in yourself, you start to see their patterns of behavior become more trustworthy. So it's not just what they say, but they're actually showing up as a different person. You're like, okay, maybe I can start to alter these a bit because Mm -hmm. the relationship, the dynamic is changing and that's what we want. That's why boundaries allow us to feel safe around sometimes otherwise unsafe people. And so we can still have this relationship with them in a way without, you know, costing us who we are. But then over here is porous. And a lot of people like in friendship, especially women, you know, we're overly porous. We share too soon. It gets too fast, too quick. Um, That person hasn't really earned a spot in our close circle. There's no wisdom and discernment here. And then it, you know, it bites us in the butt because it's like, whoa, I'm, I'm hearing about myself now, (laughs) you know, from a third person and, and that's hurtful. Well, that's, that's poor discernment. And so that's too porous. And so I think that the goal is somewhere here now for somebody who's overly porous, they probably need to work on like zipping it a little bit and being a little bit more of an active listener and really waiting for that spirit led like discernment of, Mm -hmm. okay, I can maybe trust this person. This person is safe. We've now built this to a point where I can share this. And that comes from fear. I don't think we talk about that enough. Um, when we're overly porous, all that means is just, if you think of like a strainer straining out water, like we just, we're afraid that if we don't overindulge or we don't open up quick enough, that person might find out other things about us or they might, it's still fear. Mm -hmm. And then rigidity is still fear. Well, I don't want to be vulnerable. I don't want you close. I'm afraid that you're going to get close and you're going to leave or you're going to get close and you're going to find out something you don't like about me. So fear is still at the helm here. Mm -hmm. Um, But again, if we don't have anything to fear, that doesn't mean that we don't have to practice wise discernment and that kind of healthy boundaries. And I write about this a lot is that, you know, the the hardest boundary we ever have to put is the ones on ourselves. Mm -hmm. And so at any given situation, we have to have that, that dialogue with ourselves of like, you know, Am I being too rigid here? Is there an opportunity for me to let this person know me, for me to love and serve them? Um, and knowing that we can change that at any time, mm-hmm. uh, but but that we want to welcome in the joy and right. the peace and, right. and that connection. And then there's the poor side. Do I, do I need to kind of practice a little bit more of active listening, ask this person about themselves and trust that this is a dance and a relationship that you know, will be good over time, but there's no sense of urgency. I can hesitate. Mm-hmm. Yes. Love that. A little bit of self-reflection. Yeah. Great questions to ask. Am I being too rigid or too porous? Mm-hmm. That's, that's a fantastic, if you're having angst in your relationship, good question to ask. Where can people find you and where can they, and tell us a little bit about your book. Oh, my book. 
my book baby, my fifth baby. Um, so it's, it's, um, it's called loyal to a fault. Um, how to establish new patterns when loving others has left you hurting. So you've probably heard me talk a lot about patterns of behavior. I think patterns are practiced. Um, I think a lot of times we carry into relationships patterns that just don't serve us. They don't serve God. They don't serve the other person, even though on the outside, they may look as such. If we dig a little deeper, they're, they're not, they're not good for us. Mm -hmm. And so learning new patterns of behavior to show, you know, show up as our best selves um, so that our relationships can really reflect all that he is and that we're not living in that place or showing up from that place of fear. So that that um, actually publishes December twelfth, okay. and you can get that you can get that anywhere. I believe. What do they say? Right. Anywhere books are sold. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll link it in the show notes so that people can go find it. Um, awesome. Any other ways that people can find you? You're on social media. I'm on social media, Courtney J Berg, and then my website, CourtneyJBerg.com, um, where I have. Yeah, the book. I have a membership for women who are just kind of looking for a little bit more personalized help because, you know, if you come from a family system that like boundaries are just like unheard of, it can mm -hmm. be very difficult mm -hmm. to do this work. And so I created this space. Gosh, it's a little over two years ago okay. where I just have my courses and email support and um, I do a masterclass once a month and it's just it's just a safe space to kind yeah. of bounce ideas off and go, am I allowed to say this? Am I allowed to set this boundary? Is this, mm -hmm. you know, you can kind yeah. of just That's reflect. Great. Yeah. That camaraderie can really be helpful if this is uncharted territory for you. Yeah. Totally. This is fantastic. Courtney, thank you so much. We're going to close the episode the way that we close all of our episodes. And that's by asking you this question, rewind back to your first couple years of marriage. You've been married a whole decade now. Um, what advice do you wish you would have received? And then fill in the blank, dear young married couple. Oh, I thought about this. I had a couple different options. Dear young married couple. Um, I wish, I wish I would have told, I wish I would have known that marriage is meant to make you whole and not happy. Mm -hmm. I actually have a whole section in my book where I had longed for my husband to fill me with things that he was never meant to fill me with mm -hmm. and that i think that if we're young and we're married or if we're old and we're married or whatever it is that search for happiness is not why god created marriage mm -hmm. um and again just challenging that secular view of like well if this doesn't make me happy then i'm out mm -hmm. I'm like no that's not <laughs> that's not the goal of waking up every morning yeah. so i think um yeah that marriage is meant to create wholeness from us, not happiness. Remember that people. So good. Thank you so much, <laughs> Courtney, for joining us today and yes. so many practical and um, principled ideas and mm -hmm. tools. It's been really a pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for doing what you guys do. It's serving a lot of people. Oh, thank you. Hey guys, we've got an exciting announcement that's bound to set your hearts on fire. As you know, we believe in the kind of relationships where conversations about sensitive topics like sex and intimacy can happen with ease. But after conversations and sessions with so many of you, we know that people carry barriers and misconceptions about these topics. And it's often rooted in childhood or personal beliefs about the Bible and sex. But don't you worry, we have something incredible coming your way. It's time to take your marriage to a whole new level. 
Introducing the Eros Conference. Eros, derived from the Greek word for erotic love, is the passionate, sensual, and romantic love that fuels the fire of intimacy between a husband and wife. It's the kind of love that intensifies with selflessness and diminishes with selfishness. It's a love that reflects our creator. God uses marriage and sexuality as a parallel to demonstrate his love to the church. And we're here to help you understand that connection on a deeper level. So mark your calendars and get ready for an experience like no other. The Eros Conference is coming to three convenient locations in 2024. And trust me, you want to be there. First up, join us in Indianapolis on January 26th through 27th, 2024. It's gonna be a memorable start to the year. Or if you want a hot summer vacay, pack your bags and head to the Gulf Coast. On June 21st and 22nd, 2024, we'll be in Biloxi, Mississippi. And finally, we're wrapping up our year in Houston on November 1st and 2nd, 2024. It's going to be a Texas-sized experience. (laughs) All right, guys. So don't waste time. Your marriage deserves the best. And the Eros Conference is where it all begins. At Eros, we're going to bring you biblically-based and scientifically sound tools. So join us because it's time to strengthen your emotional and sexual intimacy and feel more connected than ever. Just click the link in the show notes to register. We'll see you there.